Welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast, kids. Life happened anyway. I'm your host, Adam Troutman. I'm going to be talking about all kinds of cool stuff, life, love, the general pursuit of badassery in all aspects. And here we are, the very first trip around, and I'm really, really excited that Everyone's listening right now. Thank you guys so much. Here we are, kids, episode one. Life happened anyway. For a little while, I've been kind of thinking about a new thing, a new start. Uh, I think for several years, I've been wanting to do something, and I, I couldn't quite put my finger on it, and I kept kind of threatening that oh, I'm going to put together a new band or I'm going to put together a new, you know, some some type of new acoustic duo music thing or something. I was I was I was just wanting something to do that was different. And I had a crazy idea randomly. It was really kind of instantaneous, is that the right word? I don't think that's the right word. It was more it's very impulsive actually. I was sitting waiting for an out-of-town call, a friend of mine to call, and I was sitting in my car with uh, Dutch Brothers, which is a coffee place here where I'm from. I was sitting there, and I was actually listening to a podcast by one of my uh, favorite uh, comedians. Her name is uh, Eliza Schlesinger, and her podcast is just called Ask Liza Anything. (laughs) And... I read into it and I realized that all it was was just her, you know, fans and friends and acquaintances that on her Instagram just put stuff down and say, hey, I want want you to talk about X, Y, Z, whatever. And so her whole podcast is just her answering questions and talking about stuff that people around her want to talk about. And I thought, you know, podcasts don't have to be crazy produced. They don't have to be... Um, some polished thing. It's just if you have something to say or something you want to talk about, then you can connect with people this way. And I really liked that idea. I really liked the idea of a new medium. Um, and I love spoken word. And I think it's a great medium that is really coming back, you know, from the old radio days. Uh, the podcast growth is enormous. Uh, millions and millions of people are doing podcasts, listening to podcasts. And I had found myself being one of those millions listening. And here I am doing a podcast. Here we are <laughs> launching a podcast. Um, as I got a little deeper into thought with it, though, I I realized there was, I think, a lot more going on underneath than just, oh, I need a new entertainment medium or I need a new personal expression medium. Uh, This really had a lot to do with some other factors too. And a couple of those things are, well, one, I I don't have kids of my own, so I've got uh, two nephews and a niece. My oldest nephew's uh, seven, and he's almost eight actually, and... Um, my niece is in the middle and she's about to turn three and my youngest nephew, uh, just turned one earlier in the fall. 
And I wanted them to have something that they could listen to, something that they could hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. I wanted to chronicle my life and talk about things that are important to me and something that I could pass to them as well. And I thought that'd be a cool thing. You know, people write memoirs and they write books and they write stuff about their life, autobiographies. And I thought, why not do it this way? Why not have something a little different? So that that's one of the reasons that I really was interested in this project. And the other, of course, being a new place to express myself. And I think what I've been really wanting is a place of expressing vulnerability with a little less accessibility, if that makes sense. So sometimes it's hard to, I don't know if other, I should word it a certain way. I I don't know if other entertainers or music entertainers like me um, feel this way, but it's, it can be a difficult time to, have someone, you know, hanging on you at a show <laughs> and everyone's trying to talk to you or everyone's trying to do certain things and you're trying to, you're in this very vulnerable place emotionally and people can reach out and, and have access to you immediately. And there's an awesome thing to that. So I don't want people to think, oh, well, you know, he's ungrateful or he doesn't understand what he's doing or anything like that. That's not the truth. I feel very grateful um, over the years for, you know, friends and fans and acquaintances that I've gotten to meet and and befriend over the years and see all the time. Uh, I'm very lucky with that. But it's a difficult place to be sometimes. Uh, the, the accessibility uh, can be very draining, depending on kind of how you're wired. Uh, I have a colleague of mine that uh, she has a band, her own band, and and sings for a lot of other bands too. And she gets a lot of recharge out of that. She gets a lot of recharge, I think, out of out of the, you know, talking to people after the show or spending a lot of time with people that way. Uh, the more people, the better for her. You know, she's pretty extroverted. And um, as I've gotten older, that's definitely not me. <laughs> um, I'm a little more introverted than I used to be. And I think... Music has been a kind of a, an interesting road for me, just to be completely honest. Um, since this is really, this podcast is about being vulnerable, um, I can say that. That I think at the end of the day, in a lot of ways, music has kind of taken as much as it's given in a lot of areas of my life. And that's stuff that I am excited to explore and share with people. Um, It's been a long time. I've been doing this a long time. This is no joke. I've been doing this for probably, I've been playing music, I should say, not not this as in podcasting, but I've been playing music for a living for about 20 years. And it has been a definite roller coaster. You know, a lot of good and a lot of not good, too. Um, And that's the stuff, too, I want to be honest about and talk about, and and be open, and just share some of those things, because life is, it can be a messy thing, and it's no different when you're in entertainment, or, you know, anything like that, it's actually, I think, a lot more messy in some ways, 
It's easy to get caught up in stuff. It's easy to get caught up in the rock star shit. Even if you're some nobody from the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it's easy to get caught up in that life, especially when you're younger. Um, and that's kind of been my my um, crossroad, is just feeling that I need to do something different for a little while. And um, so here I am, doing something different. I remember one of the first paying gigs I ever had. I was, uh, I think I was 18 or 19. And um, yeah, this is about 20 years ago now, 20 something years ago. And I was in this, this cover band called Ant Flow. <laughs> and they were, it was the, the people who had the band were a married couple. And they own this place called the cultural center of the universe. And it was, in this kind of industrial part of town, actually, um, where I'm from in, in Boise, Idaho, you know, all around it are like businesses and different stuff. And there's these two houses on the corner and, um, they are basically working musicians that rented parts of their house. And they also, I don't know if they owned the house next door or if they rented it to rent out as well. So, they basically had two houses. They had their, their basement that they would rent to other musicians for rehearsal space. So both houses had rehearsal spots and they were at varying rates per hour. I don't quite remember. It wasn't that expensive. I think at the time, at the time it was like, you know, just the band basically rotated on what they would pay. I don't remember it was five or six bucks an hour, maybe a little more, but, uh, you could show up with your band and have a spot to just practice, which is cool because, you know, in a band, it's it's not like you can just, at anyone's given house, you can just show up and, and plug in and make a bunch of thunderous noise for hours on end. So it's nice to have a place to go and actually rehearse or record yourself or whatever you want to do. And so um, our band was renting that uh, weekly, I want to say, maybe a couple of times a week. I don't quite remember all the details, but we were renting that place a couple of times a week. And the owners, I guess, liked my my drumming. I was drumming for a band, an original band, and that project was called Blackbird Davis. And so they approached me and said, well, hey, you know, we need a drummer for this thing. Have you ever, ever done covers? And I was like, covers? Like, I didn't even know what that meant. Like cover to me meant what someone was going to pay at the door to go to a show. Like I had no idea what a cover band really was at the time. And so I said, okay. And they, I remember they gave me like a set list, I think. But I don't remember really listening to a lot of tunes. I just showed up at their rehearsal and I I knew a lot of music and I was able to just kind of play along and learn the arrangements that way. And I started gigging with them a little bit. You know, it was the first time I ever played in a bar. I mean, I was 18, 19, and uh, I was confined, you know, to a certain spot in the bar. Like, I couldn't leave the stage. Or there was one place in this smaller town adjacent to where I live that that uh, they had, like, a, a small table right next to the stage, and that was kind of where I had to stay unless I was going to go outside or use the restroom or whatever. But uh, as an underage performer, that's what I was stricken to <laughs> was some tiny little table with a, 
a pitcher full of, of uh, water or Diet Coke. And, uh, you know, back then I, I don't, I didn't have the balls to like try to sneak stuff. You know, I, I didn't like sneak shots or anything with the band or, you know, drink outside. And I, I didn't really drink at all, actually, when I was younger. It was a pretty interesting scene, and especially as the night would go on and the rest of the band would, you know, have a few. They weren't really heavy drinkers or anything like that, but I definitely started to notice the difference that they were having a little more fun than I was. That's for sure. <laughs> Uh, but I learned a lot of cool music. They had a cool set list. Um, and that was my first band. This year, on January 1st at midnight, 2020, will be the first year that I am not playing music on a New Year's Eve. Uh, there have been a couple others. Uh, there was like one... Um, there was one I had, I had gotten married uh, previously, and... And the bar that we were working at, the club that we were, were doing this dueling piano gig at, was closed. So we actually made use of the club. And uh, and that was, I think, one of the only years I haven't done something on New Year's Eve. So this will be one of the first times. And when I was talking to some of my colleagues, we, we, we all agreed that we weren't going to do it because we've done it a long time. I mean, I the very first New Year's Eve I played was was uh, when it turned to year two thousand, and I remember playing up in this little bar in uh, you know an hour or two north of where I live, and this little kind of mountain town in Idaho, and we I remember playing nineteen ninety nine by Prince, and people in that town having a great time and. Man, we drove up in this blizzard. Like I remember following the the you know leaders of the band, the married couple, and we had this little train of of band members. I I had borrowed my parents had a front wheel drive car that they let me borrow because <laughs> I had this rear wheel drive old nineteen seventy two Toyota Celica that was not going to make it, and they let me borrow their front wheel drive Buick. <laughs> And uh, so we're driving up, crawling up in the snowstorm to go play this gig. I mean, now nowadays, if that was the trouble to get to the gig, that would, I don't know if I would do it. <laughs> um, you know, agreements are one thing, but risking life and limb, that's a whole nother deal, I think. Um, so we're, we're crawling up there in this complete whiteout snowstorm. And we make it up there and we play the gig. And, and I remember afterwards them counting out the cash you know and and getting paid and I remember thinking as I put that money in my pocket I remember thinking that this was all I wanted <laughs> that this was it that playing music and and making money doing it was what I wanted no one really around me in my life at the time you know like whether it was family or other friends and stuff there was kind of a small contingent of us that were just artists down to the core. And we just believed that we wanted to do what we loved and that would, that's what we wanted, whether it was good times, bad times, whether it was lucrative or not lucrative, that's what we wanted to do. And I was so happy. I just was so happy doing it and um, so happy doing it. And, you know, I could say 20 years later, 
I feel like I have said what I got to say with music in a lot of ways. I, I really want to write more and record more and do some other things, but I feel like like this particular endeavor I'm doing, I feel like I've said what I've got to say. And so that's really the the genesis of this podcast is that I want to talk about my life and cool stories like that. I mean, I hadn't really thought till just now or just recently about that gig uh, up north and driving in a blizzard <laughs> uh, just to play a gig and to be, I was so content at the time. And looking back, I don't regret any of that because how many times in life can one say that they were content? They were really, really content, and I was content, and that the people in that band were content. And I, you know, I never real, you know, found out what happened with those guys. I think they moved from here. Cultural center of the universe eventually closed. And I think they moved out of town. I don't, I don't quite remember what happened to them, but um, but that was an interesting time. There was a lot going on, and that was my first exposure to playing music and getting paid. It was pretty cool. You know, as a side story about the cultural center of the universe, <laughs> that was also one of the first places that I discovered what it was like to get your gear stolen. Um, they had a, in, in the second house off to the side, the other rehearsal space, they had like a cellar that you could, you could go down in and, and they, you could get, store your gear there. And someone uh, and I'm sure it was someone who knew it was there or was in a band at some point actually broke in and stole a bunch of bands gear. And I remember feeling so pissed off. And in reality, I mean, anger is very secondary, right? Uh, I was very, in, you know, I felt very invaded. I felt very, you know, someone would take this prized possession. At the time, the drum set that was stolen was a gift from my parents when I graduated high school. They bought me a brand new, beautiful Mapex drum set as a graduation present. And I was so excited. That was my favorite drum kit in the entire world. Um, I'd learned on an older kit. I'd learned on some gear that my dad had. And that was their gift to me. And those pricks stole that. And they stole um, some other colleagues of mine and, uh, some some gear from their band and then um uh, our bass player they stole his amp i want i want to say like they stole a bunch of stuff and the cool part though is that eventually uh, the cops did find those guys and did end up finding somehow and the only thing they would say is well good police work adam when i asked him about it and they found they had a storage unit full of stuff that they had been stealing and i got my drums back some of the gear I, I didn't, um, he did pay restitution actually. And I got money for my missing uh, kick pedal. That was pretty cool. But I remember going to court and just kind of sitting back and watching. And then like when the guy was walking out, like I started like creeping up on him. Like, and I remember, I remember that me like, Oh dude, don't do it. <laughs> you know, I just wanted to like throttle this dude right in the middle of the whole thing. It was just such a, you know, a jacked up thing to do, steal someone's stuff like that. Those instruments are not, you know, they weren't just hobbies to us. They were a, a big piece of us. So when they did that, that hurt my feelings and I wanted to make them pay. 
crazy what comes up talking about some of this stuff. So those aren't like the complete beginnings of some of my music stuff, which I'm going to explore, I think, in, in pretty good detail. I plan to actually have a lot of people on talking about some of those times and the old days. Now, that was that. That was that was a crazy time then of me just getting started out playing music, you know, for reals, really giving it, giving it all I got. But, uh, you know, kids, look at the old clock running on the wall. I think that uh, that's all for today. The episode one, a couple cool stories. I got so much more to tell you guys. It's ridiculous. So much more to talk about. We'll see you guys next time. Life happened anyway. <laughs>